What's a good word for someone who decides not to have a kid? Child-free? It's not a word Megan Dom is crazy about. It's true. I don't like that word. It just sounds like gluten-free or smoke-free, you know. Hopefully, we'll reach a point where we don't have to have some kind of brand on our choices, right? We can just be like, oh, this person has kids. This person doesn't. This person wanted to have kids. This person didn't. But we're not there yet. Welcome back to Pregnant Pause. This is the show that asks the question, should my wife Shira and I have kids? I'm Zach. To catch you up, it's pretty simple. Shira, she's ready. She is ready to go. Um, and me, I don't know. So I'm frustrated that we're not on the same page. I think that I think the what might be reassuring for you is that we're not on opposite pages. You're not like hell yeah let's do this and i'm like no way it you're it's more like you're really into it and i'm like not there yet yeah so am i just like supposed to wait for when you're ready it's kind of annoying <laughs> that'd be nice no but in all seriousness though. you want to do it now like you'd be down to start tonight yeah let's go do it I feel like sometimes you're being rhetorical in your in your readiness, but when when would you actually want to do this? So I'm in this residency program, and we schedule each rotation in each month, and I'm trying to think when it'd be the best time to be pregnant, when it'd be the best time to deliver, and I'm going to have hard rotations, and we may not get pregnant initially. We may not even be able to get pregnant at all. And there's a part of me that thinks that you're waiting to, like, feel this thing that's going to tell you this is the right time. And there's no right time. So what are we waiting for? Obviously, Shira's mind is made up. Mine isn't. And I don't think I'm just trying to stall. But at the same time, a lot of the hesitations I had when we started this project, they're not gone. But maybe just having them out in the open makes me feel like... Okay, maybe you could do this. But before we move forward with anything, I want to hear someone else's story about how they decided. You heard from her earlier. Here she is, the essayist Megan Dom. Um, I'm also a columnist for the Los Angeles Times and um, the editor of Selfish, Shallow, and Self-Absorbed, 16 writers on the decision not to have kids. In Megan, I found someone who's also struggled with the kid question. And she's done it with sheer honesty and vulnerability and humor. I think we need to reframe the way we talk about this choice. I mean, you know, people who choose not to have kids tend to feel defensive because they feel that we are living in a world that's incredibly family obsessed and child obsessed. And they feel that parents are smug and judgmental, etc. But I think that on the other side, the <laughs> the quote unquote child free um, are are really, you know, they tend to kind of go into this reductionist sort of rhetoric, like they'll call parents breeders and children brats. And they kind of um, and I should say we, I guess, you know, we tend to sometimes answer the question, why don't you have kids with some kind of 
um, jokey answer like, oh, I'd rather take expensive vacations or I'd rather sleep in late. Um, and frankly, that's not the reason that anyone chooses not to have kids. It's a really personal, complicated decision. Megan wrote an essay in 2014 called Difference Maker. It was in The New Yorker, and it's about the thinking that went into her decision. The story starts in LA, where Megan moved when she was in her 30s. That's where she meets the man who had become her husband. I don't know. We just kind of got into this life where we lived in this neighborhood that, you know, a lot of our friends had kids. We had a swimming pool and people would come and bring their kids and we were like the only, you know, there'd be dozens of people at our house swimming in our pool and we'd be the only people that didn't have kids. Um, so it was kind of this weird life that I had fallen into. Here's a passage from Difference Maker, Megan's essay. My husband was patient and funny and smart. In other words, outstanding dad material. Wasting such material seemed like an unpardonable crime. Besides, I've always believed that it is not possible to fall in love with someone without picturing what it might be like to combine your genetic goods. It's almost an aspect of courtship, this vision of what your nose might look like smashed up against your loved one's eyes. This imaginary cubist rendering of the things you hate most about yourself, offset by the things you adore most in the other person. And so, a little after a year after Megan and her husband get married, she gets pregnant. Yeah, and, and um, you know, it was one of these things. I had had, you know, we'd had a crazy year. I mean, my God, you know, we got, I didn't get married till I was almost 40. I wanted, to, I actually wanted to be 40 when I got married. Like that was a goal, like well before you were 40? Yeah, that was a goal, but we didn't make it because my mother was dying. I mean, this was so grim. We had this wedding when we did because my mother was dying and we got married down the street from her apartment and she died two months later. Uh, and then less than a year later, I got a freak illness and almost died myself. I got an infectious disease that just went septic and it was a complete nightmare. And I was so um, not knowing how to deal with the, the kid issue because everyone was saying, oh, you'll love it. I didn't want kids either, but now that I have them, I'm so grateful I did. I should have never listened to my you know, younger self. Thank God that I went ahead and did it. You know, you'll feel the same way. And I thought, okay, well, all right, I guess I almost died. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm turning 41 here. Like, I guess I should just leave it, over, leave it up to the universe. <laughs> and that's a bad, that's a mistake. Nobody should leave it up to the universe. So I got, so yeah, I kind of just like said, all right, we'll see what happens. And I, yeah, I, I got pregnant when I was 41, had a miscarriage eight weeks later. And uh, I was relieved and my husband was sad. And that kind of just like led to this terrible downward spiral. I mean, the thing with having a miscarriage is it totally screws up your brain. I mean, it's so, you know, chemically, like it's hormonal. Like you could, I really did not want to have a baby. But having a miscarriage, it's just like, oh my gosh, I have to correct this. Like then it just becomes this kind of mad dash to like, 
undo this thing that's happened. So yeah, so like then you spend like a couple months like trying to get pregnant again, even though I didn't want to be in the first place because it's like it seemed like the right thing to do. Everyone was telling me it was the right thing to do. Um, and then it went away. And so I guess I have to like put it back. And then after, you know, a couple months, it was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? Like, I can't I'm trying to do this. I'm like failing at this thing that I don't even want. It, it, it's so sad. Like, what could be a more depressing way to live your days as to like be trying to get something that you don't want and failing? Like, th that is just so not the way to go. Um, and uh, I think once I realized that, I just I said I finally said, OK, I don't want this. From that moment on, Megan writes, a third party was introduced into our marriage. It was not a corporal party, but an amorphous one, a ghoulish presence that functioned as both cause and effect of the absence of a child. It had even, in the back of my mind, come to have a name. It was the central sadness. It collected around our marriage like soft, stinky moss. It rooted our arguments and dampened our good times. She continues, Were we sad because we lacked some essential element of lifetime partnership, such as a child or an agreement about wanting or not wanting one? Or because life is just sad sometimes, maybe even a lot of the time? Or perhaps it wasn't even sadness we were feeling, but simply the dull ache of aging? I think it's just the perfect articulation of, of this thing that, frankly, I feel too as someone who's in a deeply fulfilling marriage my work is i couldn't imagine doing anything else like i am incredibly privileged and so lucky to be uh where i am right now in this moment in time but the central sadness still speaks to me profoundly and i feel it too so can you just kind of explain the center the central sadness i think you just explained it so well i mean it's kind of like it's not depression at all. I think it's more just kind of, kind of like this sort of, you know, low, constant low grade. What's the word I'm trying to think of? You're, you're just kind of resigned. <laughs> Maybe that's it. You're sort of resigned to this kind of less than ecstatic state. You know, you're going to go through your days and a lot of stuff is going to be hard or not so inspiring. Um, and that you maybe didn't feel that you don't feel as hopeful as you once did. I think it's really tied up into just growing and, you know, getting older. So having kids then becomes kind of a logical extension of d dealing with the central sadness or distracting ourselves from it. I mean, obviously I'm not speaking for everybody, but I think that, um, you know, having kids obviously it's a huge distraction and i think that people do it i mean i people have admitted this to me i think it's very common parents who are honest will say you know i don't have time to think about my central sadness or you know what i'm doing here if i'm doing the right you know if i'm living the right life i don't have time to think about it anymore because we've got this project and i think in terms of your relationship i mean what happens when you don't have kids is that your relationship is front and center all the time it is right in front of your face. And now that you're not in this relationship anymore, what's what are you surrounded by immediately now that it's not um, a marriage? What am I surrounded by immediately? Uh, it's you know it's been it's so um, 
it's pretty recent that I've been, you know, really on my on my own. I mean, I moved to New York. Um, talk about privilege! Like I am so privileged to be able to do the work I do, and that's not to say that I don't do a lot of like, you know, wrote, you know, jur journalism that I don't always want to do, and all sorts of, you know, assignments. And but you know, to be able to to think about the world and 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 put it on paper and have someone publish it and have someone read it. I mean, that's that's just like incredible. It's a, it's a rare it's a rare thing and and you know so for, for you to say that like the central sadness concept moved you in such a way like to me that's that's kind of worth the price of admission you know I, I that that kind of makes up for for a lot so your your feeling the central sadness makes me feel a little less centrally sad oh good good <laughs> so Megan Dom is the editor of Selfish, Shallow, and Self-Absorbed, 16 Writers on the Decision Not to Have Kids. What I liked about what she was saying is it's not like her central sadness emerged because she didn't have a kid, but rather because life is sad. And no matter what we do, if we have a kid or if we don't have a kid, like just to be aware that the central sadness will be there uh, and... There's nothing we can do about it, really, other than confront it, I guess. I think something that I work through or I'm struggling with all the time is how do you find meaning in a meaningless world? And I think that I totally agree with her that I think having children distracts you from the central sadness. But I guess I'm my I've come to a, like an understanding or realization or a conclusion or whatever you want to call it then maybe I want to be distracted and maybe seems like a pretty great thing to be distracted with, with like really cute kids running around saying silly things and, and as much as it will be hard or whatnot, I think we can find meaning, albeit that we're making it up, in raising children. And I'm comfortable with conceding that it's a distraction from the central sadness. You're always asking other people what they feel about all this, but what are you feeling? I think knowing that central sadness will be there, it's just good to get that out in the open rather than having illusions about what kids can do in terms of like, you know, filling a void or making us happy. Um, I know that I would be happy just with you. I think that's true. If we If we didn't have kids, I think I would be fine and happy with with our life um, but you do make a great argument for having kids so I'll do whatever <laughs> whatever you want to do honey <laughs> just kidding like I can imagine us having kids and I think it'll be great but still can't you imagine us like not having kids and having a good life totally I mean, I can definitely see why that is also tempting. You better pray you never wake up To find your dreams of all come true Coming up on the B-side to this episode four, a chorus of people who decided they don't want kids. Do you know what FOMO is? No. FOMO is fear of missing out. Do you ever have that? No. 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 
That's it for this week. If you like what you've heard, please, please, please tell your people. Our website is pregnantpausepodcast.com. Tweet it, like it, share it, love it. If you leave a review on iTunes, that is a huge help. Pregnant Pause is produced and edited by Shira and me. We had production help from Max, Jenna, Henry, and Josh at Pineapple Street Media. Kira Denham is our graphic designer. Special thanks today to Will the Thrill Coley. Our theme song and a bunch of other music comes from the great Eve Barsley. Find him at Bandcamp. Also, thanks to Michigan's own Ghostly Songs for additional music. Before I go, I want to tell you about a really cool documentary in progress. To Kid or Not to Kid is a film that aims to dispel the myth that living child-free is weird, selfish, or somehow wrong. They're in the middle of a Kickstarter campaign right now. Let's bring that film to the finish line. I want to see it. Find To Kid or Not to Kid on Kickstarter. Talk to you next time. yourself